0: Good morning, as we turn from our yearning to our wisdom this morning, I invite you, if you are holding a chumash, a Bible, uh, the red claimed to turn to page 305. and five. You'll get more out of it if you turn to 305. How am I saying that? Turning to 305 will exponentially increase the joy that you have this morning from learning Torah. If you don't have a chumash, we have plenty of them in the back. This morning's learning our open up just to bring you up to the open up, up to the verses that we will will go deep on just in the next five minutes or maybe less, three minutes just to get us where we are here. For those of you who don't know where we are in the Torah and as the weekly Torah turns, you know, in our, our weekly version of weekly wisdom, if you're not familiar with the sacred story, here it is. Uh, Jacob last week, reunited, and it feels so good, (laughs) with his beloved son, Joseph, the brothers, it's all so sweet, we know the happy ending, and every year we go through it with them, like, oh, don't do, oh, you did that, no, okay, it's going to be okay, you're in the house of Potiphar Joseph, and you survive, and then you make it, wow, what an amazing story, and so last week was the the reproach mom between the brothers and Joseph, and then they come back to Jacob, who of course misses Joseph horribly, and Joseph brings his father down, says, I'll take care of you. They come to the land of Goshen. They live there in the land of Goshen. We, of course, will not see Joseph and Jacob back in the land of Canaan again. They're done with that part of the story. Henceforward, the entire community of Israelites will live in the land of Egypt, and in this week's as the Torah turns, will come to a close on the whole book of Genesis. The book of Breshit will finish. The book of the first fifth of the Bible will finish. And it ends with the death of the greatest of the three patriarchs. Jacob will die. Israel, his name is also Yisrael. He will die. And so the parasha name for his death, of course, euphemistically, is Vayechi, his life. Right? The death of Jacob is the life of Jacob, just like the death of Sarah was the life of Sarah. So how did Jacob live? Well, he lived with strife. He lived with highs and lows, with successes and failures. He experienced great celebration. He had more children than anyone who came before him, more wives than anyone who came before more wealth, than any, but he also lived with more suffering, probably, than anyone who came before him, too. He knew both the highs and the lows, the depths of despair and the heights of ecstasy, Jacob was every one of us, deeply human. And so we are named for that deeply human character who will now also give us instruction on this Shabbat where we highlight what matters, meaning the entire program at the JCC of Manhattan and the EJ Federation, the what matters conversations about how to talk about end of life. Jacob not only is an example of many things not to do, he's an example of many things to do. And one of the great things he does do is that three times in the Parsha named for his life, he will end his life in much the way that he lived his life with planning and foresight. Right? He lived a life of planning, of thinking ahead, of making sure that he would be the one that would receive the blessings, not his brother, manipulation or not, but it was foresight. Jacob, who lived his life well, also planned his death well. And gives no fewer than three moments of instruction in this reading. Three moments. The first one, to Joseph, he says to him, Swear to me that you will bring my bones out of the land of Egypt. Why does he choose Joseph? He always chooses Joseph. That's the cynical reading, but also maybe the true reading. Of course, he has power, as Daniel said. He has power. Joseph, clearly the text wants us to know that leaving the land of Egypt is not an easy thing, even if you are the viceroy of Egypt. Right? Even if you're the most powerful person in Egypt next to Pharaoh, somehow Jacob knows that Joseph would be the only one who could execute on his will. So he calls the one who could execute on the will as the first moment. He says, Come close, let me tell you something. I don't want to be buried here in Egypt under any circumstances. Of course, he's also chastising Joseph. Meaning, you who were buried here in the land of Egypt and never did anything to get out, you be the one, you be the one to tell me. You, that you will promise me you're going to bring me out. He says, "Don't just." And then, of course, it's beautiful. The text says that Joseph says to Jacob, "Sure, Dad, I'll do it." Anochi varecha. Sure, I'll do it. And then, how does Jacob respond to that verbal affirmation, that assertion? Jacob says, "Uh, uh, uh, swear. Don't just tell me you're going to do it. Pinky promise. Right." Swear, And of course, when Joseph will go to Pharaoh, Pharaoh will, will say to Pharaoh, my father told me that I have to take his bones out. And what does Pharaoh say to him? Did you swear? And then Joseph says, yeah, I swore. Okay, you can do it. We can stop there, but we're not. Second moment. Second moment of telling Joseph, someone comes and tells Joseph, your father is sick. The rabbis go so far as to say that Jacob wasn't really sick naturally. What happened? He asked for it. He saw that they weren't taking him seriously enough, so he actually asked God and said, God, please make me sick. And in that way, the rabbis say, here's the first instance in the Torah of somebody being sick. What was the reason for it, says the Midrash? Someone is sick. All of a sudden, someone's sick. Everybody comes and says, we better finish up our business with this person. So he was sick. And so Joseph comes and brings his two grandchildren, Manash and Ephraim, to, to close a loop. And then we have that crazy scene where Jacob will bless the two children when he kind of does the blessing with hands that are crossed. Very strange. We're not going to go into that. And here's where we are going to go. So if you'll turn. That took about five minutes. Here we go to turn page 305. This is the f- third and final death scene of Jacob's life. In the third and final death scene, he indeed is about to go. It's not like, you know, uh, in you know, Wheezy. What was that show? Uh, Sanford and Sons? Jefferson's? Jefferson's. I'm coming, but he wasn't really, right? Here he really is about to go, and he brings all 12 children around him, all 12 sons, not children, 12 sons, he brings all 12 sons around him, and um, he gives each and every one of them their own blessing, and as those who weren't with us this morning for the open book, it's a plug here to get up early and come to the open book, because there are gems that happen in the open book, Right? There are gems. You know, this morning's gem at the open book was Richard sharing the story of his own father's passing and how gathered around, you know, the bed, each and every child, the grandchildren, receive their own unique blessing. And here, right, some way Jacob is now going to bless all 12 children, all 12 boys, all the 12 tribes, right? And the, the Torah on page 305, verse 27 this is where we're going to pick up. Benjamin ave Yitraf. Benjamin, you are a wolf that is ravenous, or tears. You are a tearing wolf. ad shalal. In the morning, you consume the foe. Very strange word, it's really, not foe, as in oyev, or enemy. In the evening, you divide the spoil. Somehow, can you notice here that Benjamin is disconnected from the verses that come before? Do you guys notice verse 27 floating in the, in the pages ether? Do you see that? See the way they page, the way that the ones who made this Torah wanting to give you a sense of what it looks like in the scroll where this one brother of all of the 12 brothers, his blessing stands alone. Weirdly. We talked about that. We'll talk about that maybe in a moment, but then this verse. All of these, verse 28, are the tribes of Israel, 12 in number. He blesses them, each one, according to the blessing that they deserved or that was appropriate. And then he commands them and says to them, Anina Elami, I will be gathered to my people. Bury me, all of you, to my ancestors, to the cave, and it'll go through the cave of right that was bought by Abraham. That's where the cave is. It's back in Canaan. There in verse thirty one, Shama Abraham, there was Abraham buried, and so was his wife Sarah. There was buried Isaac And there was buried, and his wife, Rebecca. And there I buried Leah. What's missing in that description of Leah? My wife. This does indeed belong to us. It is ours. It belongs to us. It's our holding. And then this last verse. And then Jacob finished commanding, directing his children which is so beautiful on so many levels. Not just in the moment but he finished to be one who could act as an exemplar. He finished. It was done. And his legs were gathered in. The legs that were never gathered in. The legs that were always moving. The one who was named the healer with the heel H-E-A-L. He's gathered in and, and he dies. Or he expires And then he is gathered in. By Yasef el-Amav, he's gathered into his people. Powerful moments, right? The last words to describe him is one who is gathered in. The one who gathers in and who gathered in the brothers. The gatherer, the one who is gathered into his people, the one who is gathered. And it was so important for the Torah to let us know what his last will and testament was. What were the last things he said? So we're going to open up. Let's open up with a couple of questions. You are Jacob? Or your father, your mother, your loved one was Jacob. What was important or what is important to you to do before you go? What was important to them to do before they went? What was important for them to do to go and that they didn't do? How might we actually enter into the scene and be the characters ourselves? Who here wants to tell us a story about a Jacob or about a death scene or about a something that didn't happen that should have or wish that had or something that you promised to do? Anyone, start us off. And if you could, Lou, just stand up so we can all see you and make sure we hear you. Rabbi Hammer. So, if you can't hear, she's not going to scream. I'm going to repeat everything. The microphone. If, if you can't hear, okay. So, do you want to get a microphone, sure? If there is one, Gil, do we have a handheld? Okay. Sorry. No, no, no. Wait, 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 wait. Let, let Gil get it. It's okay. Right here. Okay.
1: Thank you. About a week before my father died, I had a dream. And the dream never happened in the waking world, but it it did happen. I dreamt he was having his second bar mitzvah, which was appropriate since he was in fact 83. And at his second bar mitzvah, he gave a speech. And he told everyone in the room that the most important thing was to love people. And at the end of the dream, he called me on the phone to say thank you. And when he died the next week, I knew that that had been him saying goodbye.
0: Thank you. Arthur, can you be the mic man? So let me add something here before we get the next person. So it's going to be whoever's the next person. Stu? So before the next person goes, just to deepen some of the textual place before we go back to our own lives. In the text, I lifted up this Benjamin moment that Benjamin is, as it were, alone. And we talked about this a lot in, in the open book. So the last time Jacob saw Rachel, the one whom he definitely would have said, Ishti, my wife, right? The one whom he absolutely would have wanted to, to be buried with him. She passed away suddenly, out of nowhere, with no, with no preparation, with no... And, The the cause, proximate to so degree, so to speak, whatever it might be, in the text is what? What is the reason for Rachel's death? Benjamin. It's as if the text is signaling to us in this lone way that Benjamin stands, that he is the wolf, Torah. The last time the word used in Torah is to tear, is that Joseph was torn away from Jacob. Rachel, as it were, was torn away from him by Benjamin. It's a heavy thing, it's a heavy thing to own. I'm not putting Benjamin on the... But in some way, the text is signaling to us that Jacob had a life that he tried to, to control and to prepare for, and the ultimate expression of that inability to control was Rachel's death. And so he has to tell the boy, he has to tell the family, he has to, let me make sure that I tell everybody, you know. Let me make sure that I tell... Gloria,
2: um, I have a death story, which I'm really kind of realizing what I did, but um, my mother was hospitalized when I was eight, my parents' divorced, So at my mother's death, she was at Sloan Kettering, but I slept there every night, and I fed her, um, her favorite thing was lemon ices and peach yogurt because she hadn't been mothered, and my father hadn't been mothered by the previous generation, Anyway, she was in her bed in Roslyn, Long Island, and something said, I have to bring my brother. And he was in treatment in Florida with addiction, so he flew up with a nurse on Sunday morning at 8 a.m. And I called my father in New York City. They had been divorced 30 years. My father was free, so I sent a car, a taxi, to pick up my father. So my father landed in Roslyn Harbor at 9 a.m., And then he went to the airport with the man to pick up my brother at Kennedy Airport. They came back to Roslyn, and it was 1 o'clock. My brother went into the room with my mother in the bedroom. She passed at 2 in the afternoon. It was an hour. And then around her bed was Rabbi Konikoff, all her friends, my father, me, and the nurse. And I realized that my yearning was that we would have been together. So I was controlling everything, but not just myself, because Hashem sent me the nurse, and Hashem sent me the driver from Russia for the whole day. And at the last breath, we were all there together. Yeah, so the blessing for me is that we, who know that we need unity, even if our parents didn't provide it, that with your teachings and with being here, I can go step forward and really learn the lesson of reconciliation and love my ancestors because they couldn't get it.
0: Thank you, Lori. So, yeah. Well, people online won't hear you.
1: So uh, people who were here for our kids' b'nai mitzvah last fall would know that uh, my mom uh, grew up in this neighborhood and went to high school not far away at the old Music and Art, and uh, I really think she would have loved Romamu. She was uh, raised in a very, very assimilated home, was not raised very Jewish, but very active leader in education in our synagogue when I was growing up, and everything about Romamu is what she loved just in nascent form in Reform Judaism in the 60s and 70s, you know. Um, but uh, she died 15 years ago, right about this past week. And um, Robin and I were there. It was, you know, pretty intense as anyone who's gone through that experience in a home hospice. Uh, and I, what I would say is on the one hand, we felt very lucky to be there. Um, it was very powerful that one of her home health aides, this was... Uh, 10 months before our kids were born and one of our the home health aides said you're going to have a little girl when my mom passed which was certainly partly true um and uh but what i would say about it you don't know jump in because this would be but what i would say about it is her last jewish experience um was not very satisfactory this part of the home hospice there was a rabbi with whom she had not had any relationship um and you know if there's a Uh, we feel very lucky that we were gathered in, uh, in the way that this describes. Um, And on the other hand, it was uh, disappointing in a sense that her last Jewish experience was really unsatisfactory. And I feel as though you know, it's, in a way it's almost unfortunate that she there wasn't this community at that point that she would have been very much a part of. But Robin, go ahead. Go
3: ahead. You forgot this part, which is that um, Shelly. Robin, please hold Zimmer- the microphone. Shelly Zimmerman was the rabbi at Central Synagogue when Robin he was growing up. I'm sorry. So he came for the funeral. No. <laughs> he came. She specifically wanted him at the funeral, and he was going to be in Israel. And there was this whole thing around the timing, and it felt like she was hanging on right. in order for her funeral. She was planning in order for her funeral to be led by this, by Shelley, with whom she had a long connection Mm -hmm. and a very meaningful connection. Mm -hmm. And she, I guess, like Jacob, was trying to plan that last moment. Mm -hmm. And I would also add that in the very last moment, she, which you didn't share, is that she looked up at you and, um, you know, she had a tear in her eye and it was... We couldn't, we couldn't quite tell what that moment meant, but it was a very, very powerful leave-taking. Mm-hmm.
0: So. so we could I, go on. I forgot the part about yeah, Shelley. I, yeah, it's okay. So we could go on, so we could go on, and I'm sure each and every one of you could share a story or have some fantasy about a story. Not only is it powerful to think about the things that happened, but also for many of us, as we heard in the open book from Elise, some of us didn't have fairy tale endings. And you can read also in this very story, as she pointed out, that even when Jacob went to bless all the children, he didn't give each one of them a, a yummy, beautiful, colorful, expansive blessing. He even criticized some of them at his last moments. And that sometimes even the specter of death isn't sufficient in order to lift up people sometimes and have a recognition that someone might need this or more. But what's so powerful for me, and I want to come in for landing here and, and call for a blessing, and for those who had other things to share, I invite you to share with another congregant, share with someone today. Or maybe stay for the What's What Matters panel, immediately following our services to talk about end-of-life conversations, the things that get in the way of us having these important conversations, the things that might support us to have them. What's very powerful here is, again, the sense of Rachel and how prominently Rachel, for me, figures in this narrative. The Last time the word Asaf, to gather, is used in the Torah, it is around Joseph's birth. When Rachel said, Asaf Elohim et cherpati, God has gathered in my shame. Joseph's name means the one who can gather away, can clear the shame. In a way, Jacob's ending is, in a way, trying to finish an unresolved piece of Rachel's life, of his own relationship with Rachel, where he wished he had buried her potentially in the cave. His own desire to tell his son, who is named the one who will gather in, is to gather in the unfinished business of his life and finish what I didn't finish. Joseph is saying, Jacob's saying, excuse me, to each and every one of us who reads the text, if you're reading this text, you have a chance to finish something. If you are reading this text and this story this morning, you have a chance to express in word what you wish could happen for you. Not like Rachel, who didn't have a chance to say what she would have wanted. Who could have imagined that giving birth would have been that? Who could have imagined? Who could have imagined? And the text is saying, you should imagine You should have the conversation. Because it could be otherwise. So I want to lift this up and I want to give a blessing this morning and lift up anyone here this morning for whom this is reality. If you're here this morning, you're hearing the words of Jacob, and you're hearing his tikkun, you're hearing his fixing, his blessing, his instruction, not just to his children, but to us, to prepare ourselves for what is inevitably absolutely going to happen, but about which we have no control. The thing that you can control is to prepare. What you can't control is when. Asaf Elohim, yes, El Elamav. Jacob is gathered in and asks all of us to do the same. So I want to call forth this aliyah this morning, this open up for anyone in this community this morning who feels particularly called to stand with Torah, to hear these words sung and chanted and laned, and then hear the blessing of getting our stuff in order, getting our lives in order preparing ourselves now to, to do this early so that we're not caught by surprise. Please come forward and stand with Torah this morning if that speaks to you in some way this morning.